This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. The burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God is here this morning. And there are so many things and there's so many needs and God has the answer for every single one all the time. I'm loving her smile. Look at, she's with it all the way. Glory to God, a mighty woman of God. Yes, amen. Well, Father, we do thank you. We do praise you and we worship you. Each of us has come today to get something from you. Now, we have maybe have thought that we've come for somebody else and to be a blessing and a, and a ministry to somebody else, and then indeed we have done that, but more, 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 Father. We want more. The more that we have, the more that we can give. And Father, so I thank you. The word this morning will flow. We've already asked you, we believe it, and we receive it, that the word will flow unhindered by any satanic forces. Father, that your purpose will be accomplished today, that we will step in to that light. We will step in. We will step beyond what we've known and step into a deeper revelation of you. Father, I thank you. You use the simple things of the world to confound the wise. And so, Father, we come with ears that hear and eyes that see. We come asking you for rivers of living water to flow out. And, Father, that everything that is not of you is broken, is shattered, is removed, and we are separated unto the things of God this day. We're not waiting for tomorrow. We're not waiting for next week. We're not waiting for next year. But today, Father, we grab a hold of our faith and release it and we grab a hold of you to believe you for change, to believe you for burden-removing, yoke-destroying power to hit our bodies and to hit our lives. We thank you for the prosperity that you have promised us because you said that we are blessed to be a blessing so that you can establish your covenant. And so, Father, we are vessels unto honor and we thank you and we praise you for it. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it will accomplish that which you please and will prosper in the thing that it was sent to do. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to start. I want to really talk about this morning, except the Lord build. Except the Lord build. Now, as I look around the room, I see a lot of people who are like me, kind of type A personalities. Boy, and we like to get it done, don't we? We like to get it done. We want to be in charge. How many of you don't ever like to be in charge? Anybody? There is one. All right. Well, guess what? <laughs> Not being in charge means that we have to trust somebody else, don't we? So there's a lot of faith that has to go with that. And being in charge means if we want to get something done, that there is a recognition that we cannot do it all. There's no way. Now, at some point in your life, you had to come to the realization that um, you need other people. You need help. There's not, you can't do everything. You cannot do it all. Even though we think that we need to be, we need to be there. We need to do it. How many times have you been in a work situation? You think, boy, if I leave, I don't know what they're going to do. And then ultimately you do leave and go somewhere else or something else happens and somebody takes on the project and guess what? It got done. 
Now, when we look at it, we think, well, I would have done this, and maybe there was a little bit more excellence in it, or maybe not, or maybe somebody else did a better job than you. But somewhere along the line, you came to the realization, if you really and truly wanted to accomplish everything that you wanted to do in life, that you were going to have to trust somebody, and you were going to have to relinquish some power. The more you hold on to it, what happens? The more you don't get done, because you just can't do it all. So, in... Um, in the scriptures, it says this, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. It's Psalms 127.1. Your labor, your labor, your labor, when I'm talking about your labor, I'm talking about you alone, will not profit. In other words, it will not produce God's stuff in your life your labor alone. Except the Lord build the house, <clears throat> they labor in vain. So, but what about that? Aren't we supposed to work? We are supposed to work, aren't we? Because he said, you don't work, you don't eat. That's kind of lost in our society today. But that's what the Lord said. So there is a job. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he put Adam and Eve, and he gave Adam instructions, didn't he? There are things Adam had to do. But remember, before the fall, he didn't toil. He did not toil, work the land with sweat and, and thorns and everything coming up on the roses before the fall. But he had a job, didn't he? Now, his job was to be fruitful and multiply. He was supposed to tend the garden. God's design was for that garden to go from where it was and to spread over all the earth, wasn't it? I've even heard it said that God intended for it to go to other planets. I thought, well, glory, that's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? So in order to produce results that God says that we should have, God has to be involved. Now, years ago, we'd see these little stickers, there's stickers on uh, people's car that says, God is my co-pilot. And, um, and so what does that say? I mean, I saw those, and, you know, for a while there, back in the, whatever, 70s and 80s, whenever those were, I thought, well, that was pretty cool. And then we started to discover that God, if God is the co-pilot, uh, there's a lot of error going on in there. Now think about this. God's grace, can you picture a hose coming from heaven? Can you picture a hose for everything you need coming from heaven and the supply coming down the hose, right? When we start doing, Apart from God, what happens is the supply gets crimped. The supply is still coming to the crimp, but nothing's coming out. So you need healing, you need finances, you need an answer from God. The supply is always coming. Why is the supply always coming? Because it's already done. He did it, it's already done. We're supposed to appropriate, right? So every time we take worry and we decide that we're going to do it our way, it crimps the supply in every area that we're not allowing God to be in charge. And we will let go. He said, well, what, why take you thought? Why take you thought for Raymond? Why take, why take you thought for food? Why take you thought for any of those? And he goes on to talk about the lilies of the field. He said, Everything that they have, they're there today and gone tomorrow. But he clothed those, and that clothing is so much even greater than what Solomon had. And we all know Solomon was the richest, right? Had everything, had wisdom, had riches, all of the stuff that the world 
was in, in, in supply. God supplied it. He had it. And yet, the lilies of the field are more clothed than what Solomon. So he says this, in essence, if I can paraphrase, why are you working and going after all of that stuff when I said it's already yours? Why don't you quit that and, and rest? Let me tell you how to do it. Let me show you how to build. Because when the Lord builds the house, then the labor is not in vain. When we build it, we work, we toil, we sweat, we are discouraged. We don't know if we're going to do what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how we're going to get the supply. God, I can't see how you're going to get $1,000 to me. Yet we heard in our church this week somebody had $300,000 paid off. $300,000. Now, can you think of $300,000 coming your way today? Well, can you think of a million dollars coming your way today? Can you think that your body can be totally, completely healed and restored today? Well, God says faith is now. Faith is now. He said he's already provided. He said, if you will trust me, I will show you how to do it. So in order to get what God says we have, there's a few things we need to do. Number one, the word has to be final authority. It has to be the final authority. Final authority is, is like a quality decision, a decision from which there is no retreat. There is no going back, and there is no more argument about it. This is it. This is what's happening. I'm not moving, and I'm not moving backward. And what did they say? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, I'd like to just do a quick little experiment. All of you that will, would you just stand up for me a second? Okay, let's go to um, Proverbs 4. Just hang in there for a second. I love, I love, I love, I love the Proverbs. So many good things. If I would use my iPad, I'd get there quicker, but... Oh, well, let me go back. Let's go to Proverbs 3. Uh, in 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Okay, will you all have a seat for me? Thank you. Now, how many of you thought about the chair you just sat on before you sat down? How many of you thought about if it would hold your weight? Would it be sturdy enough? Did it wiggle? What's going on? Am I going to be on the floor? How many of you did that? Anybody? Why? You know something, don't you? Well, did you trust something? You trusted something, didn't you? You trusted. It was not even a thought. It's so ingrained in you that you trusted, and your trust was turned into action that you sat down and never gave it another thought, right? Well, this is what trust is talking about here. Trust in the Lord. That means let it be the word so ingrained inside of you that when God says, by his stripes you're healed, and the doctor says, listen, I hate to tell you this, but you got three months. You better make your affairs. 
that you just say, well, my God says that I am the healed. I am the redeemed. This is a temporary bad report, but it is subject to change. And in the name of Jesus, I am what God says that I am. See, that's the trust. But what happens? Now, listen, we talk about, I want to get into uh, laboring the rest. So let me get through some scriptures. Um, so when he says that you need to trust, that means that the direction that the word says to go is the direction we need to go, whether we understand it with our mind or not. That our reasoning, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what does he promise to do? He'll direct your path. All right, so practically, how do we do that? Well, Father, I just acknowledge you this morning. I trust you, and you said you would direct every one of my paths. Well, I receive it today. Now, he said, if you lack wisdom, ask God, James, right? Ask God. All right? So, Father, I'm asking you for wisdom today. Number Question number one, when do you believe you receive it? When do you receive it? Wisdom. Now, at the amen, I always say, at the amen, it's mine. So then you start to walk, and your expectation has to be fully that wisdom is with you, and you're expecting it to unfold before your eyes. Just as you walk your next step, you're not expecting the ground to come crumple under you. You're walking, and you're fully assured that this is happening. Well, the Word of God needs to be so ingrained in us that that's what we look at, that's what we trust, and that's what we rely upon, and all the other stuff is static. And all we're doing is tuning in. To the I am, the great I am, the great I am. And we're just tuning and tuning and tuning until we can rest fully in what he says and have it so ingrained that it comes out with every breath of our fiber. And like Ken said earlier, it's about being real. It's about being real. But we're going to be real supernaturally. See, we're going to walk in abundance over and above what the world thinks is possible. <clears throat> that anointing will flow out of us. And before you know it, you're going to say, ah, and you're not even going to get the hay out of your mouth, and something's going to change in somebody's life. And they're going to, you know, I, I prayed for somebody, this is several years ago, but I was going through an inspection process with one of my rental properties, and, and the, the woman that's coming to inspect, she's a little grumpy, I have to tell you, and uh, she's coming to inspect, and she's looking at everything she needs to look at, and I noticed that something's off. And uh, so we got all the business out of the way, because I wouldn't be accused of anything. We got all the business out of the way. We're on the porch, and she's getting ready to go. And I said, you know, is there anything I can pray with you about? And she said, I have this horrible, horrible headache. She said, I just can't, I can't hardly think. I said, well, come on. And so she was a believer, apparently, because she was quick to let me pray for her. I prayed for her, and she took about two and a half steps off the porch, and she turned around, and she said, it's better. I said, praise God. No, Really? It's almost gone. I mean, it's And as she went to the car, she kept trying to convince me of how good it really was. Well, it's a God thing. Trust. Do what God says to do. See, and that's the difference. We want to build the house. You know, us type A's want to plan it, get it done, do everything, and make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. See? And then we'll say, we want God to bless our plans, don't we? Lord, I got this all planned out. I mean, this is really perfect. I think it'll work really good, you know. And, you know, I used to wonder about how God was going to get me finances or whatever. And, uh, and I got to the point where I think, Lord, that's not my business. I don't care how you get it. It doesn't make any difference to me. This is what I need. This is when I need it. Will you show me? See, now that's the difference. Will you show me? 
And then I got to praying about what you don't want in my life, burn it out. I don't care. If you want me to do this, I'm willing. And then when he tell me to do something I wasn't willing to do, I'm thinking, oh God, I'm willing to be willing. I'm willing to be willing. And so you get to this progression of except the Lord build, you labor in vain. I've done a lot of labor in vain. I don't want to do any more labor in vain. I want God's wisdom. So you seek out God's wisdom to see what he says because the one word from God will change everything. And your weeks of toil can be turned into a sweatless victory. Have you ever had a sweatless victory? Glory to God, they are the best kind. Because you don't toil, you don't, you don't, you don't cry, you don't, you're not anxious about anything, and it's like you step into something. Have you ever had a, a fast time? You're 21 days of fast. Have you ever had a fast time that has gone so quick and so wonderful, and you think, oh gosh, I don't know what anybody's having any problem for. Now I've had those. Those are absolutely wonderful. And you see other people are thinking, oh God, if we just get through this, oh God, if we can just get through this. Well, I've had, I've had a month of a fast. That is so wonderful. I think, well, what's the big deal? And then about two months later, I go to fast again. I'm thinking, oh God, is it going to ever end? Is it going to ever end? What's the difference? It's the absence of the grace in the trusting God. Say, I'm trying to do it all by myself. It doesn't work like Well, it's like you have some measure of working, but you're not going to produce the measure that God says that we should have. And I don't know about you, but I can look around in the neighborhoods and the people that I see and very definitely see there's a bunch of lack. And in the Christian community in particular, you can see the lack going on, which should not be so in God's world. It should not be so. We should be so abundantly supplied and so giving that we are that resource. Not foolish in what we do, but understanding what the will of the Lord is for us so that we can give as he's directing us to give. You should look for places to be a blessing to other people. And you know, the best time and I, what I've found is the best results, God says he loves a cheerful giver, but when you're hurting, things are not going right, when, when the finances are not where they're supposed to be, that's the best time to look for. God, give me somebody to give something to. You know, I started going through the drive-thru drive -through sometimes, and i just hand them a little bit of money or whatever. And I remember the first couple times, you know, and then God told me to give this person so much, and I thought, what? This is a drive-thru. And I got that money out, and I gave it to her, and I said, be blessed. And I took off. I thought, I'm willing to be willing. My seed is not going to not produce. It's going to do something. And I'm not, because if you're not willing to do it, you give it, but it's empty. Dear God, for every area that we've given that we have not wanted to give, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us, and then we receive the blessing for that. Say, you change those things, but it all comes back to putting God first place in your life. Okay, uh, our work is to labor to enter in his rest. That is what our work is to do. We are to labor, and that's where the labor comes in. It's not the toil and the sweat and the sweat of the brow and all that kind of stuff. Is that we are to labor to enter into God's rest. And that's where we want to go today. Let's, um, let's, let's look at a couple scriptures here. It says in Proverbs um, 1.5, it says, A wise man will hear 
and increase learning. Now, in Mark 4, I don't want to go there, but I just want to tell you really quick, in Mark 4, it talks about he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said this, hearken, listen up, pay attention. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or we can put it in today's vernacular and say, those of you that would like something from God, if you will purpose to hear, if you will purpose to let go of what you know, what you think you know, what your position is, who you think is good and who you think is not good, and let it all go and have ears to hear, then I will give you direction. Because what measure you measure, it will be measured back to you again, God said. So those of of us that have come to hear the word, we've measured it heavy. That means it's weighty in our life, it's important, and we want something that God has for us, and we want more of God operating in our lives, and we want the victory, we want to be a blessing to other people. That means that the measure that we weight it, how important it is to us, is will be determined on how much of a harvest we get back on what we've sown. Now, and he goes on to say this, he said, the seed that you plant, what are you planting? Today we're talking about healing. We, with the seed that you plant, will grow up and become. What will it become? Healing for our bodies. If you think of your child, when your child is a baby, and you think, well, I wonder what they're going to be like in 20. I wonder what they're going to be like at 25. They will grow up and become. What will they become? What's planted in them? That's what's important. So what's planted in us will determine what grows up and becomes. And if we have ears to hear, then we will hear, and we will give weight to it, and it will produce what God says it should produce. All right, let's look at Psalms 1, 1 through 3. We're going to run through some scriptures really quick. And I'm going to mark that so I can come back. Let's do it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let's put it this way. But his delight is in the word of God. And in the, the word does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, who leaves shall also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall what? Prosper. Now, when I look at that scripture, I look at a couple of really key things, and I'm going to start with the end and move back. Whatsoever I do will prosper. How many things in your life have you done that haven't produced any prosperity for you? Plenty, right? All right. So these hands, say this with me, these hands, put your hands up, these hands are anointed to prosper when in whatever I set my hands to do because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, these hands are anointed to prosper. These hands, expect it. There is an expectation that has to happen because you can do everything else. And if you're not expecting God to show up, guess what? What are you going to get? You might get a little bit of something, but your expectation puts God on the scene. It's like Trish said, I'm going to be pulling from you this morning. I'm going to be pulling from you this morning. What is that? That's an expectation. I'm not leaving the same way I came in. Well, I, know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm not leaving the same way I came in. I'm expecting something from God. In fact, I'm expecting a lot of things. And I, I, I don't want any more of those little things. 
I want every one of the little things, the little things that are insignificant in the grand scheme of things, I want them cleared up because Jesus at the cross. Now, I heard this the other day, and I typically, I can't, I'm not one of those people that can watch like the passion and things of that nature. In fact, when I'm watching movies with John, I close my eyes when anything bad is going to happen. I don't know if he even knows, but sometimes I just close my eyes and I want to say, is it over yet? I don't want it. I, I, that kind of stuff can't be seared in me. I, I've, I've just worked so hard to get junk out. And so, and sometimes we put it in, we don't really realize it. But I heard this, and the preacher that was talking is, uh, at first I wanted to tune it out. You know how you get, I want to hear that. But he was talking about the cat of nine tails. And, um, and he said this, Now I haven't verified it, but he said there was 39 tails on. He wasn't Jesus, wasn't whipped, he was scourged. And he went into great detail on the difference of being whipped and scourged. And um, what this is, they tie hooks, and they tie sharp stones, and they tie different things on the ends of these. And they took Jesus out, and they stripped him naked, and they put him down flat in order to scourge him. And what happens is when they take the cat of nine tails and they whip it like this, what happens is that the, the objects go deep into the flesh. And as they pull it back, it literally rips the flesh off his back. Now that's the first area that the blood of Jesus was spilled for us. And so when you think about that, that scourging, that ripping, that tearing, he paid for every sickness, every disease, every abnormality, every missing arm, every eye that does not see, every limb that hurts, every toe that aches. He paid for it all. And if we tolerate even a little ache in our body, then it's saying that what was done and as his flesh was being ripped off was not enough for us or not good enough for us or he didn't pay it like we thought he ought to. See, and so when I, when I decided I had ears to hear, I don't really necessarily want to see that vision, but I want to understand the sacrifice. And when you understand the sacrifice, then even the little things become an abomination to you. It's like, no, you will not stay on my body. No, 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 this is it. And that's where the quality decision comes in. That's where uh, uh, the word is final. Everything else is static. You will change. You will line up. You will do what you need to do because this is what my God said about me, and I don't care who's getting it and who's not getting it, but for me, I've got it, and I'm not budging until I see every last little bit come to pass in my life. And see, so people think you're radical, but it's not their body. Let them go do whatever they need to do because guess who they call in the middle of the night when tragedy happens? woo See, but thank God they call. Praise the Lord that they see something in you and that they reach out because they were not able at that time to get. But thank God that there's no judging going on because at one point we were all there. But today, today, Maybe they see where they didn't see yesterday. Okay, we need to move on here. Okay, uh, let's look at Proverbs 4. 
And let's, uh, let's, I want to do verse 7 and 13. And then I want to jump over to something else. Let me read this. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Okay, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Whose responsibility is it? Ours. How do we get wisdom? We ask God. James 1 tells us, ask God, and he will give it to you. He won't even scold you for asking. But he said, uh, listen, you better ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Because he says a double-minded or a dual-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. And then he goes on to say this one thing. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So how is it that we think that we can tolerate a little something in our body and not be dual-minded? See, it starts changing your thinking, doesn't it? It starts, if God's against it, I'm against it. That's it. That's where we need to get to. If God's against it, I'm against it. Now listen, that still means the love of God flows through. The love doesn't stop. The mercy doesn't stop. The, um, uh, the things of God, the attributes of God never stop. But you take a position. Now don't you know that that position is going to cost you something? There's going to be ridicule. There's going to be other things. Uh, the devil is not going to like where you stand because something's happened that you have stepped into some kind of authority. And when you step into authority, you get contagious and other people see something going on with you. And then you start stepping into authority. You start having some victories. You start having some victories. You start having some more victories. And you think, get off of me. Come on, let's move. See, God's got things. God's got plans. God's got purposes. And I'm going to live out every step and every minute of what God has for me. And everywhere I've missed it, I'm going to trust God to bring it so I can get back on the path and do what I need to do. See, healing is ours already. It's a benefit that we already have. We shouldn't be struggling for it. But in order to get there, we better get our labor into rest. Let's do, um, let's do uh, 420. My son... Attend unto my words, incline your ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from my, mine eyes. Keep them, God's word, in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them in health to all their flesh, or they are a medicine to all their flesh. Now listen, he says, attend, keep them. Attend and keep them. Attend. Now listen, you're working here something, aren't you? Now this is not toil and sweat. This is working to enter into God's rest. Attend unto my word. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, the word of God, is life. They're life unto all that find them. And health to all our medicine, to all their flesh. So, in verse 24 it says, Put away from you a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. 26 says, Ponder your feet. Ponder, ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. Now he's telling us things that we need to do and look at a forward mouth. What is a forward mouth or perverse lips? It is those things that don't line up with God's word. Anything. Oh my God, I just didn't think I was going to make it. Perverse. Forward. It's out of God's will because God has sent his word and he healed me and he delivered me. He has made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. As a matter of fact, I'm dead. You're looking at a dead woman, but you're seeing Christ, the hope of glory. Now, the last time that you went to a funeral home and you talked to the dead person, did they respond? 
Nah, they didn't. You can call them a rat. You, you were a real rat, weren't you? You know, they're not going to respond. They don't care whether they're not there. See, you're dead in Christ. Your life is hidden. It's hidden inside. It is hidden inside. I've got to hide something inside. Let's just do this. Your life is hidden inside. It's Christ. Your life is hidden inside of Christ. It's hidden. And so what should happen is the, the Christ overflowing in us, coming out of us. We're just seeing the shell. Okay, let's move on. Um, let's see. Oh, let's skip that. Let's go to Psalms 34.4. Okay, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Now, how do we know God hears us? First John, right? It says this, if you pray according to his will, you know that he hears you. Now, does everybody in this room I know already uh, believes that it's always God's will to heal all the time, right? So we know that it's God's will to heal. And we should now be at the state that we don't care who else believes it, who else gets it, because if nobody else gets it, I'm getting it because my God said that's me. This is where we should be. And we step into a boldness that exists. Okay, so he said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And what did he do? He delivered me from all my fears. Now, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Not even a little bit of fear is good. You know what? There's only one time that I know of, and I could be wrong, there's only one time in the Bible that God says that we should fear. Otherwise, he's saying, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Fear not. We're going to find that in just a minute, too. Okay, so um, we seek, he hears, and he delivers. We seek, he hears, and he delivers. Now, in verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. What does that mean, blessed? Empowered to prosper is the man that will trust in the Lord. Let's go to, uh, let's see, let's go to Psalms 94, 18. I know I'm not to the meat yet, and so I'm hoping this is a good start. Um, he said, when I, when I said my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Thy mercy, thy mercy, God's mercy is ever-present for those that will look and seek. Now let's go to Psalms 95. And I want to go to verse 7 here. He said, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, and whom I swore in my wrath that they should not enter into rest. Now, 
How do we harden our hearts? Turn away. Refuse to hear, right? Refuse to obey. Not giving God's word place. Building our own house. Lack of persevering, giving up, caving in and quitting. Fearing. All of these are hardening of your heart because what you do is training, training. Now, the, the word says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, okay? But now the, 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 the commas and all that kind of stuff is added by the translators. Now, I just want to throw this out for you. What if it, what if it really means, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he? Because we know that thinking about something leads to meditating on it, thinking more and more, which leads to speaking about it. And after you start speaking about it, you start taking action on it. Isn't that true? Nobody just goes out and commits adultery. They see something. They start thinking about that someone. And then they start talking about that someone. And then they start getting closer to that someone. And they're doing everything, right? So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, I can't, I don't know. I haven't seen the original translation. I don't know what is not, but that's how I think about the process because when you think the word of God, when you plant it in and plant it in and it sinks down in your heart, it starts with that thought and it starts with the meditation and then it goes to speaking about it and then it goes to sinking in your heart and you're taking action on the word of God. God is so good. And that word produces things. All the time it produces things. So he says to us, harden not your heart. Now, I want to, you know, we, we talk about them in the wilderness and we think, oh, God did so many wonderful things. He parted the sea. He did this. He did that. He had manna every day. They got everything they wanted. Their clothes did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. As they grew, I guess the clothes grew. I'm not sure, but that's what God says in the word, right? And yet... They, when it came to the most important thing about possessing the land, you know, all these things. Well, I guess they could have possessed the land first is what the deal is, and they decided not to. So let me go back one step and restate this. As they were coming out of Egypt, overnight, the night before they were poor, the night before they were sick, overnight, God said, get ready and go, be dressed, have your shoes on, everything, because you're going out, and you're going out with silver and gold and all the good stuff, and what looked like impossibility, I'm a slave today, there's no hope for me, and going out the next day, rich, rich, and you're probably looking back thinking, well, nobody's following me, nobody's following me, well, when they finally turned around their thinking, and they started coming after them, look at God, Light by day, light by night, part of the sea. He did all of those things, and they came out of a position. Now, we think about them and think, well, how could they not know? How could they not see? Well, I want to take you back to a time in your life then you can pinpoint three or four or five different things that God did for you, miraculous things in your life that you never thought at the time you were believing and believing and believing, but you didn't know. Now you look back and you think, whoa, he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and how miraculous was that? And here we are today, struggling getting rid of little ABC disease. See, so are we any different, really, than that? All of us are prone to forgetting what God has done. 
And then we put the word of God first place in our life and remind it that he bought the healing. He paid for it. It's already done. He sent his word. He healed us. He delivered us from all destruction and that there is no sickness and disease that can stand in the power of God if I will believe God. So we're entering, we're, we're working to enter into the rest. Let's go to Hebrews 3. Now let me say this. Mercy, mercy is what we get that we don't deserve. God's mercy on our life. And grace is not allowing, not allowing, God not allowing us to get what we actually deserve. Isn't that something? Because Jesus already bought and paid for it. All right, let's go over to Hebrews 3. And I'm going to actually read in um, the contemporary English version. It's just a little different, but it is uh, it's pretty neat. You can follow around up there. Now, there are four points that I want to make. And this is how we enter into grace, how we enter into the rest, how we enter into and believe God is working and doing and we see these things come to pass. First of all, I want to tell you that victory and ignorance do not go together. Senator Kennedy said this. Victory and ignorance do not go together. If you want victory in your life, then you have to dispel ignorance. And the only way to do, the only way to do that is with, with the Word of God. Okay, a lot of scripture, but it's important. So Jesus is, uh, this is my cross-heading on the New Century says this, uh, Jesus is greater than Moses. We know that. My friends, God has chosen you to be his holy people. This is God talking to us. So think about Jesus, the one we call our apostle and high priest. Jesus was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in serving all of God's people. But Jesus deserves more honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house deserves more honor than the house. Of course, every house is built by someone, and God is really the one who built everything. Moses was a faithful servant and, God's, and told God's people, what would be said in the future, but Christ, the anointed one of God, is the son in charge of God's people. And we are those people if we keep on being brave and don't lose hope. It is just as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear God's voice today, don't be stubborn. Don't rebel like the people who were tested in the desert. For 40 years, your ancestors tested God and saw the things he did. Then God got tired of them and said, you people never show good sense and you don't understand what I want you to do. God became angry and told the people, you will never enter my place of rest. You have to stop and ask why. Because the hardness of their heart and the disobedience that they showed towards God. Hebrews 3. Verse 12 says, my friends, watch out. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from the living God. See, evil thoughts or doubts, doubts, what if? Yeah, I know, but I remember somebody who, who didn't get healed and they were just a mighty person of God. What is that? That is a little tiny seed that you've allowed to enter in your heart that will come back and come back and come back because you never de-weeded your garden. Say, get the weeds out. Get the weeds out. No, I repent of that thought. I do not believe that thought. I believe that God sent his word and he healed me and he delivered me. Say, we have to be active about working to enter into rest. 
okay? You, verse 13, you must encourage one another each day and you must keep on while there is still a time that can be called today. Today, he said, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. All right? If you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you stubborn. We were sure about Christ when we first became his people, so let's hold tightly to our faith until the end. The scriptures say, if you hear his voice today, don't be stubborn like those who rebelled. Who were those people that heard God's voice and rebelled? Weren't they the same ones who came out of Egypt with Moses? Who were the people that made God angry for 40 years? Weren't they the ones that sinned and died in the desert? And who did God say would never enter his place of rest? Weren't they the ones who disobeyed him? Ooh. We see that those people did not enter the place of rest because they did not have faith. Now, I want to read this. In the King James, it says this. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief is not having faith. Now remember the chair up and down, trusting, 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 trusting. See, when you trust God enough, like, just like you did the chair, to sit down, then it's not, even, it's not even a conscious thought. You just sit. And that's it. And that's how our trust in the Lord ought to be. Now, um... Verse uh, chapter 4, the promise to enter the place of rest is still good, and we must take care that none of you miss out. We have heard the messes just as they did, but they failed to believe what they heard. Now, we don't want to be guilty of failing to believe what we heard. And the message did not do them any good. Only people who have faith will enter the place of rest. Can I say this again? Only people, now it says only people who have faith will enter in the place of rest. Can I kind of submit to you today, only people that use their faith will enter into the place of rest? See, you know, there's a scripture that says, well, uh, show me your faith, you know. And Jesus said, uh, let me go back, let me, let me just swipe that because I can't quote that accurately. So, and uh, he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. It's the latter part of that scripture. But Jesus, the person that came to Jesus and Jesus, he saw their faith. He saw their faith. He saw their faith. Their faith is a tangible thing that goes on. Okay. But they failed to believe what they heard, and the message did not do them any good. Verse 3, only people who have faith will enter the place of rest. Just, it's just as the scriptures say, God became angry and told the people, you will never enter my place of rest. Now, he didn't say this to be, I mean, he wasn't trying to be ugly. It's his desire for us to enter a rest. Always his desire for us to enter in. But those that will not, you know, uh, the, the scripture talks about those that continually uh, go against God and then in, they end up with a retrobate mind. Um, God said this, even though everything has been ready from the time of creation, everything has been ready from the time of creation before the world was. In fact, somewhere... The scriptures say that by the seventh day God had finished his work and so he rested. We also read that he later said, you people will never enter my place of rest. This means that the promise to enter in is still good to us, okay? Because those who first heard it, uh, heard about it, disobeyed and did not enter. Much later, God told David to make the promise again, just as I've already said. 
If you hear his voice today, don't be stubborn. If Joshua had really given the people rest, there would not be any need for God to talk about another day of rest. But God has promised us a Sabbath when we will rest, even though it was not yet come. On that day, God's people will rest from their work just as God rested from his work. We should do our best to enter that place of rest. We should do our best to enter that place of rest so that none of us will disobey and miss going there as they did. What God has said isn't only alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Our words can cut through our spirits and souls, our mind, will, and motion, and through our joints and our marrow until it discovers what is discovering. The Word of God. Until the word of God discovers the desires and thoughts of our heart. Okay? So the word of God is doing some work here. And that's why you can, you can be on the outside, oh, praise the Lord, oh, praise the Lord. And the word of God is looking inside at the heart. And it's discerning. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have to tell him the truth is how that ends. He sees through everything. In, um, in King James it says this. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in time of need. So, in verse, I want to go back, it says, for, um, in verse 9, it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us, there, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, remember we talked about, uh, there's a place that says we're supposed to fear in uh, King James. Uh, 4.1 says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us in entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of. You know, that's the area that we're supposed to be working to, to enter into rest. I want to give you four things that will help you get there. Number one if we're talking about how to enter into God's grace, and into because, in, you know, the, the grace is what's working in our lives. We enter into that rest. What we're saying is we're entering into the grace. And remember the hose. When we crimp the hose and we try to do it ourselves and we're worrying, we have crimped the grace. We have crimped the supply in that area. We need to let it go. It says we, we need to know the word. We need to be willing to hear and receive the word. You have to purpose in your heart to obey you can't get results from something you didn't know about. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know anything of what God promised, see, before you were born again, somebody told you something, didn't they, in order for you to become born again. You found out something about being born again, and then you accepted Jesus. Before anybody told you about anything, how would you know even to accept Jesus? So hearing the word, knowing about the word is paramount. As I said before, victory and ignorance do not go together. Don't reason because it leads to unbelief. Have you ever, God ever told you, um, God ever told you something and you started down the path, you know, years and years ago, I'm back in 1981. And um, whatever, for whatever reason, my particular paycheck that, that week, that month, that every two weeks, I don't know what it was, but it happened to be right at $500. 
And I believe the Lord told me to sow that into the church that day. And I was ready to do it. I mean, I was just all for it. This is, I just heard about prosperity, you know. And I, I want to tell you, just during that time, my paycheck wouldn't cover my car note and my house note. And so there was a time that I was going, I went by the grace of God that people fed me. I mean, I just, it, it didn't cover. It didn't, it didn't make it. And, um, and uh, I had come from a situation where I had four paychecks a month and I spent one everywhere I wanted. I saved one. I did this and, I, and had run out all my savings because I believed God closed some doors for me. And I came back. I came to Memphis because of a particular church. And that's why I was here during that time. And so I made the mistake. I had a friend who I thought believed like I did. And I told her I was, what I was going to do. And I was going to sow that entire paycheck. And she told me I was stupid. I was crazy. How was I going to eat? How was I going to live? Oh, reason. Reason. I opted for reason. To this day, I don't know what I missed because I was foolish and I opted for reason. How I wish I would have done what I heard. Disobedience. Reason will steal it from you. Don't confer with flesh and blood. Don't ask your friend. They're not on the same page as you are. If you hear from God, do it. Do it. And if you've heard wrong, trust God's grace and mercy to make it right. Okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. Um, now, number two is believe. The power of Satan is in the lie. You have to out-truth the devil. Believe. Choose to believe. Choose to hear. Choose to believe. Trust. Every time you think of trust, I want you to think of sitting down in that chair. I trust you, Lord, just like I trusted sitting in that chair that day. I didn't even have to think about it. I know you're faithful and true to me. Believing is a choice. Don't be moved by feelings on what you see, what you hear, or what other people say. Especially, don't be moved by the little lies going on in your brain. You are not what he says. You are what he, the creator, says. But you have a choice of what you believe. You, see, and whatever you believe is what is coming out of your mouth. Check your words. Check your words. When you say something doesn't line up that's perverse, twisted, repent. Say, Lord, oh, God, forgive me. Holy Spirit, put a watch on my lips. I am determined to speak God's covenant promises. Um, go to believe the impossible. Go for the impossible. None of it is, is, is dif difficult or impossible for God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Break the mold of thinking. That's not hard for God. That's easy for God. And I'm going to enter in the rest where that's concerned. Stretch out whatever you're believing for today. Stretch it out about five times. Go for it. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. You know, I never thought I could have X, Y, Z, but I'll tell you what today. I'm changing. I'm making a decision that that thing that I never thought I could have, I declare it. It's mine today, God. You show me. Now use it for your glory. Stretch it out. Push it, push it, and push it. And every day, water your seed. Okay, number three, speak. Put your faith, your belief in action. Well, how do you do that? You can start by this way. It does not have to be the way they say. You can have God's results every time. Not missing it. Remember, these hands are anointed to <coughs> prosper. Everything I set my hands to prospers. Because God says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Whatsoever I set my hands to prospers. That's me. He's talking about me. I fully believe it, and you will prosper. Talk to what you're doing. You're going to prosper in the name of Jesus. I'm blessed. 
God calls me the blessed. God calls me the healed. That's what I am. And that's how I'm walking. All right. Declaration, confessions, Mark 11, 23, and 24. Well, those things that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. If you don't remember any other scripture, go after that one each and every time. And so, so perfected in you that you know that when you pray, you don't even think about it again. It's trusting, it's sitting down in that chair. Ooh, so good. And then your actions are going to speak louder than any of, anything else. Because your words, you have thought about it, you meditated about it, you spoke it, and your actions are going to be your voice showing the rest of the people. They won't have to hear what you say, but they're going to see by the results of what you're producing. Number four, important, 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 if I can put it this way, expect, explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Billy Graham said that. Whoa. Don't put it in the future. Faith is now. This moment, today. You are not going to get healed. You are healed. See, and until you grab a hold of that and believe that, that I, it's already done. Yeah, but my body hurts. Yeah, and your body hurts, but the Word of God says this. Which one are you going to believe? Your choice. It's a choice. Yeah, but you don't understand. It really hurts. It keeps me from doing things. Your body hurts. It keeps you from doing something. Or the will of God says you're healed. The word says you're healed. Which one are you going to believe? Whatever one you believe, you're going to think about, you're going to talk about, you're going to act upon it. And the rest is going to fall in line. I heard about this woman who had this horrible, horrible stuff with her, and she got a copy of her x-rays, and she stuck it in her Bible. And every time she walked by her Bible, she would talk. She would talk to that disease. She would talk to that disease. She would talk to that disease. And not only did the disease leave her body, but the x-rays, that random Bible changed. <laughs> Glory to God. Expect miracles. God always will show up for you. But remember, he said, be strong and courageous. He, and then the last thing is stay fixed on God while expecting all else to change because the word will never change. The word will never change. Now, very quickly... Um, okay, very quickly. Let me give you some common hindrances to receive healing, okay? Lack of knowledge is a biggie. Unbelief. Laziness. Ooh, I don't know about you. I don't want to hear about that one. Pride. I know it all. This is the way we did it. Unconfessed sin. You know, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me that will keep me from following you. Open up the dark places inside me. Shine the light on them. You know, talk to Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you to all the truth. Unconfessed sin will do it. Disobedience. Involvement in the occult. You know, horoscopes. God, I can't tell you how many different things that are in there about the occult. Get it out. Get it out of your house. Get it out. Even the little horoscopes in the, in the, in the paper. Get rid of it. Movies. Yes, definitely. Very, very good uh, thing. Negative confessions. Anything that does not line up with, oh, I feel awful today. Oh, negative confession. Repent. Well, bless God. Yeah, but you don't understand. I can hardly move. Well, bless God. What do you say about it? Well, I say my body has to conform and get in line. Here's a biggie. Waiting on the evidence of answered prayer before you receive. Guess what? If you don't have it before you see it, you'll never possess it. You better get it before you see it 
so that you can have it, otherwise you'll never possess it. I have it now. It is mine now. Yeah, but I can see that it's not. Keep looking. You're looking through rose-colored glasses, honey. I'm looking through the Word of God. And the Word of God, guess what? I am says. Can you top that? I can't. I am said. If I am said, that's it for me. It settles it. Amen. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We worship you. We give you glory and honor. Father, I thank you that it has changed for many of us today. Hopefully for all of us, but I know for me that it has changed. And I have stepped in to that thing that you have said. And I thank you that this only takes us to the next level, but there's many more to come. And we have ears to hear and eyes that see, but this day I refuse to tolerate anything in my body that is not in line with your word. And this day I speak to every person, every person's body in the name of Jesus. And I command you to be in line with the word of God. Sickness and disease, you are on notice as of this moment that you are not tolerant. Yes, even those little things that are hidden inside, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. And you are cursed at the root and you are commanded to get up, give up, and get out in Jesus' name. For you are bound from your operation against these people. And no weapon formed against any of us will prosper in Jesus' name. Now we declare, Father, what your word says, that we are what you said we are. That we can have what you said is ours, and we receive it. We receive the healing for our body, peace for our minds, wholeness. And Father, eyes that see, ears that hear, and great wisdom, godly wisdom, that we understand and that we are anointed to be blessings to others. And we receive it, we have ears to hear, and we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.